Sci-Fi for Me Radio presents Timothy Harvey, Jason Hunt. This is H2O. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of H2O. My name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And we are experimenting again this week with a live stream. It's alive! Alive! Twitch. Yes, we're on, we're on twitch.tv, which is what we call uh, Sci-Fi For Me TV.2. Right. Uh, Sci-Fi For Me TV is our YouTube channel, and the .2 is our Twitch channel. And we're trying to, to build the audience here a little bit. We're going to do a lot of live gameplay video games um, throughout the week and Monday night Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. But we thought... Why not? We'll go ahead and just you know put some of this out there. Hey, you know, it's been a while since it's been a while since we've actually discussed how old we are. And I just want to point out that you and I are old enough to remember when Dungeons and Dragons was new. Dungeons and Dragons came out. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna date us. Do it right just now. Do it. Right, I knew it was coming. Solid. All right. Dungeons and Dragons came out when I was in the fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember uh, Keith Ludeman was the guy who got me involved. His his mother was one of the fifth grade teachers at, at, at our school. And he and I were friends. There was a group of us. And he said, hey, there's this, there's this, look at this. Mm -hmm. This is this thing. And I was like, what is, what is this thing? It's called Dungeons and Dragons. Like, oh, how interesting. I wonder what that is. <laughs> Do you remember the big 80s scare where it was Dungeons and Dragons was like the gateway to oh, yes. evil. Yes, no. yes. Well, you know, Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks. Exactly. That movie terrible, terrible film. Terrible, terrible uh, mm -hmm. uh, social scare. But the the here's a bit of truth. Dungeons and Dragons was, in fact, a gateway drug. It was the gateway drug to Car Wars and oh, Starfleet Battles. I remember Car and, Wars. Somebody... Um, uh, gosh, so many, so many amazing role-playing games. But Starfleet Battles was the one that we did in junior high. Mm -hmm. um, and it was because we were Dungeons and Dragons fans, and then Starfleet Battles came out, and then Star, Star Trek: The Role Playing Game. But when Starfleet I... Battles, uh, Calvin Key, my 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 dearly departed uh, friend who I grew up with, uh, just an amazingly talented, smart smart guy who died way too young. Mm -hmm. um, but he and I developed. We basically developed the um, uh, Doomsday Machine campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it took. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to play because we assembled basically the Federation fleet, all the Federation fleet, <laughs> and the Klingon fleet, all the Klingon fleet, and the Tholian fleet. Oh. Because Calvin thought the Tholians were just awesome. And we went up against the Doomsday Machine. And I got to tell you, the Doomsday Machine on the graph paper, for those of you who are <laughs> familiar with role-playing and graph paper, graph, is, paper. graph paper is the the key. It was like two feet long. Oh wow! I mean, it had the armor class on that thing was insane. But it's the Doomsday Machine; it well, has sure, to be it has tough to, to be beat. Big. So, yeah. we had an incredible, incredibly fun time with that. Um, but yeah, it's Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons is a gateway drug to fantasy literature. Yeah, and uh, Lord of the Rings for a lot of people. People who had speaking of which, I talked to my son today. He's down in Dallas visiting family. Mm -hmm. He's spending some time with my folks. Yep. And he watched Lord of the Rings with my sister. Yeah. Uh, and I said, what do you think? He says, it's good. It's pretty good. It's cool. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, he's, because we've been, we'd been talking about doing it for a long time. And, you know, it's four it's hours. I mean, it's a significant investment of time. time. So we had talked about uh, doing a marathon mm -hmm. of 
all three mm-hmm. just do one after the other after the other but the problem is is that the movies um are the gateway drug to the expanded edition Mm-hmm. which are the gateway drug to all the supplementary materials, right. which is like four or five days of uninterrupted viewing. It's I like, know. I have to sleep, but I need to see this bit about the recording of the audio of the I movie. Know. It's you like, know, and it's like, uh, wait, it was what specific color green? Uh, I remember yeah. one, one Christmas, uh, Christmas Day, I couldn't, my, my family and I weren't able to spend the time together. And I think I literally got up that morning, started coffee, put in... I think it was the third movie, and then just watched it and all the supplementary materials all day long. That was just my that was my Christmas day because I was I was wow. on my own that day, and, and I just sat there. and I think it took the entire day yeah, until yeah. I was like, I'm sure. I think did. I have to go to bed now. <laughs> wow. Well, um, a couple of a couple of news items uh, that we can get to before we get to our topic. Um, uh, and and I have a Starfleet battle story that I'm, I'll oh, cool. share with yeah. you a little bit later. Uh, <clears throat> we found out today. Uh, Stan Lee's wife, Joan, mm-hmm. uh, passed away oh, no. today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, and we want to uh, pass along our condolences. To yes, yes, goodness. So sorry to hear um, that. Apparently, she had a stroke earlier this week, mm. and complications from that, she she ended up uh, passing away today from that. Now, I, not to be morbid, but the studies have shown that husbands, you know, if the wives go first— the husbands generally follow about six to eight, ten months later. So I I don't want to sit there and say we need to have an obituary ready for Stan Lee, but he hasn't been doing all that great anyway. He hasn't been in the best. Well, of unfortunately, and we've seen this. We've seen this with a lot of people who died too young, certainly over the last several years. Uh, but as our pop culture icons and idols and just the talent that we respect, they're aging up. Yeah, and that that generation that changed so much. Uh, when you think about when Stan Lee was innovating comic books, it was the 1960s. Mm. You and I, for all of our talking about being old, sometimes we were born in the 70s. Oh, we 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 were born in 1970. Yeah, we're right there at the cusp. Yeah, so I mean, you're looking at a uh, a generation that was adults when we were children. Mm. When we were so, you know, we're. It's it yeah it's that it's that mortality thing that that unfortunately when when you see someone like Bowie die or Prince die mm. uh, and you realize how young they are relatively speaking but then again also how young they're not anymore and yeah. unfortunately it, it puts it in perspective you look at all these amazing talent this amazing talent that we have the good fortune to be alive when they were. And and experience and learn from them when they're you know telling their stories about the creation right. process. Um, we're very very lucky because the next generation isn't going to have that. They're going right. to have they're going to have the videos. Luckily, they're going to have the YouTube you know clips. Right. Sure. Yeah, you know, which is kind of bizarre when you think about how much YouTube has become a uh, an archive of actual important information. You don't think about this stuff so much. The internet, um, for all the downsides of the internet. Wait, the internet has a downside. It has two. It has two downsides. Two? Yes, just two. two. Um, and those those are those are the portal to the ninth <laughs> circle, the, of the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, the the fact that there is so much content, uh, whether it's video or podcasts or or articles that have been re, you know stored on the internet, uh, the the amount of things that could have been lost from genre talent yeah. that we don't we we're not losing. 
Well, and and you know, you talk about losing people young. Uh, a lot of people had worried about Patton Oswalt uh, last year when his wife died. Mm-hmm. That they, you know, they were they were saying, you know, it could very well be that he goes shortly after yeah, that. Yeah, but and I think that's the other that's the other news <clears throat> item because he just got engaged. Uh, they announced it this week. He got engaged to Meredith Salinger, an actress. Oh, okay. Good. So Good for him. Congratulations. Like, Yay, he's not going to die yet. Well, okay, but, I mean, you look at the those those studies generally show those people it's with older couples. It's generally not the case with younger couples. That's true. There's, there's, a, there's a, there's a, I mean, and this is, this is. But also, uh, yeah, but, but his, the impact on Patton Oswalt when she died well, okay, was but, but such that there were sure. a lot of people that were worried about well, his it, his emotional and mental health afterwards. This is one of the, this big, is one, it well, was a big blow. This is one of the, of course it was, and of course it was, and 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 he's never it's part, some part of him is never going to recover from that, right? And and that's not to discount the the depth and and strength and hopefully the the longevity of his of his new relationship. Or new to us, I guess. Not new to him, obviously, if they're engaged. Um, but I mean, well, I don't know. One would well think. see. Stan, Stan Lee met his wife, and then apparently, according to the story, he asked her asked her to marry him the day they met. Well, and they were married sixty nine years, and actually, the story in the Hollywood Reporter says that Fantastic Four was actually the result of her telling him well if you're going to quit the you know at that point he was depressed you know mm-hmm. the comic books sure. were all science fiction westerns and romance and the stuff that he didn't want to do and she said all right well if you're going to quit comics write one comic that you can be proud of before you get out yeah and that's when he did the fantastic four and the rest is history as they say that's right um, speaking <laughs> of history yes let's get on to our our actual topic <clears throat> Because this has a bit of history, mm-hmm. and um, there are various different aspects to this. We're not going to be able to get into all of it. We have talked about this a little bit before in depth. San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. Comic-Con International, the big dog on the block, <laughs> has decided that they want to be bigger than everybody else. And in 2003, in June of 2013... Mm-hmm. They filed a lawsuit against Salt Lake Comic Con. Right. Saying, you can't call it Comic Con because we own that word. Yes. <clears throat> well, it has been a legal quagmire ever since. And this week, was it? Yeah, on Monday. Brian Brandenburg, who's one of the promoters of of Salt Lake, posted on Facebook, uh, they have uh, taken their next step in all of these legal proceedings. Apparently, they found some documents. And as the result of finding these particular documents, they have filed a petition for cancellation for the trademark Comic-Con. Now, now. A little bit of history here. San Diego Comic-Con has filed paperwork before with the Patent and Trademark Office to own the trademark Comic-Con. Right. And it got tossed out. Mm-hmm. They said you can't do it because it's descriptive, it, you know, comic convention. It's, you know, you can't do that. Right. So then they went back in and they tried to trademark Comic-Con with the hyphen between the two words. Right. And they're like, no, there was a, I think, Chicago uh, filed a petition to stop it, 
and the, San Diego didn't get that one either. Now right. they have Comic Con International, I think, as a trademark, and and they've trademarked the logo that they use, <laughs> which features Comic Con prominently in the logo. But that's a specific design. Right. You can you can trademark that. Oh yeah, of course. Because it's art. It's it's a it's a it's a graphic design. But now uh, they've gone back and they've looked at a couple of things. There are a couple of patent trademark paperwork trails right. that show that uh, that Comic Con International has abandoned certain trademarks, and because of all of this, they're seeking. Uh, they're, uh, Salt Lake is seeking a cancellation of the one trademark that still exists mm. on on file. Right. If they get that granted to them, if the patent trademark office looks at this and they go, "Well, yeah, why does he have the? Why, why do they have a trademark? Mm-hmm. This is just you know, it, this is nothing." Because they tried to they tried to trademark Anaheim Comic Con, right. and that got passed too because Anaheim's the city, right? Doesn't say anything. Comic Con again, we're getting into descriptives. Comic implies what kind of convention it is, you know, related mm-hmm. to comic books. Con is short for convention. It's a descriptive event, and, and it you can't trademark that. Well, it's also ter- becoming one of those terms that is, uh, unfortunately for the companies that it's happened to, uh, Kleenex, mm. Xerox. Yeah, it's it's a the usage Roller has blade. become the usage has become so common that it has essentially supplanted the actual uh, original brand name as to meaning the generic See, thing. But the thing is. Comic-Con, the word, that that particular combination of of words, that's been in use since before San Diego got started. So even then, if they – if – let's let's just say – let's game this out a little bit. If there was a company that would be able to trademark the word Comic-Con, it would be New York. It would be whatever the sure. not not the current New York Comic Con, right? But it would be the company that started the first comic book convention thing in New York back in what the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. Ooh, possibly, yeah. I mean, you go all the way back that far. So it, it for San Diego to still be pursuing this. Well, okay, when, but when we all have looked at it, and we all—I mean, even even laymen like us—we look at this and and just how in the world do they think they have a case? Well, but the thing is, is that in some of these legal proceedings, due to the various kinds of of vagarities of the law and sometimes you have very strange laws that are still in the books you know like the ones like you can't walk a camel down whatever city's main street whatever it is there's these very strange laws that are on the books and depending on how things were written and if those laws are still around there's i'm and this is i this is spitballing ballparking throwing out you know all sorts of you know i i don't have a legal basis for this but based on other Situations in certain other cases, you've seen things that, on the face of it, it's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what the actual written law says, there's a legal basis for doing this, and the potential reward of them going, and now we own Comic Con. See, the problem is the 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 additional layer of problem to that mm-hmm. is that. You have so many other companies 
that use the phrase Comic-Con. Sure. Planet Comic-Con, for instance, here in in Kansas City. Kansas City Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, uh, you know, o, uh, o Comic-Con in Omaha, mm-hmm. uh, Smallville Comic-Con, Dallas right, Comic-Con, Houston Comic-Con, I mean, uh, Virginia Comic-Con. You, we, you can, actually, you could go to a website that has a list <laughs> of all of these comic book conventions. Wait, what Wait. website would that be? <laughs> you could go, yeah, sci-fi4me.com. You click on the conventions tab and look at that list and see how many of those around the world, not just in the United States, but around the world, such and such, such and such, fell in the blank, Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And there is no way that I see, and of course, granted, I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I don't make a claim to have any, right? Of course, you know, specific training to speak to this. But it just on the outside looking in, I don't see how San Diego thinks that they've got a case. The only thing that makes sense is that somebody in San Diego got the nose bent out of joint because Salt Lake City was nipping on their heels in terms of attendance and size, mm-hmm. and suddenly. Because Salt Lake City and San Diego are not too distant from each other. I mean, you can right. you can make the drive mm-hmm. fairly easily. Now suddenly, San Diego has a threat. There's a threat to San Diego's well, success. Yeah. That's the only thing that I could see motivating this. I, it just it doesn't make any sense. Well, and it strikes me as a fairly still be doing this. It's a fairly dubious threat. I know, I know. I, I mean, how how many how many other conventions are in are in California? Oh yeah. I mean, it really doesn't matter. How many are in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the only thing that I can think of would be motivating San Diego to do this is a perceived threat. Not that there actually is one, because we're right. all looking outside, going, "What are you thinking?" Well, I think I think if the only thing that makes does make sense to me is the possibility that there is some. Legal alignment of the stars here that they're looking at that could potentially work out in their favor, and because otherwise it's an expense that you know you don't have to make if you don't have to make it. I mean, yeah. there's legal expenses are not cheap. Well, any, any expenses around San Diego are not cheap. You, well, see, the, you see, see the story about Mile High Comic Con uh-uh. or, or Mile High Comics? Mile High Comics in Denver has officially posted this week that they are no longer going to participate in San Diego Comic-Con. After 44 years Mm -hmm. being there, um, I say the fee, their their fee for their booth is over $18,000. Last year... I know people who make less than $18,000. I make less than that. (laughs) It was last year or the year before, apparently... There was a snafu with the delivery of their stuff mm-hmm. to their booth, and they had an empty booth mm. for most of, I think, first day or some, oh. something like that. And they said uh, – there was some, some snafu. Somebody – I mean their driver was there. The truck right. was there, but they weren't allowed to load in for some whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows why. And they said nobody from the convention checked on them. I mean, they're all sitting there, just you know, sitting on the floor right, in their yeah. space because there's no space. There are no tables, there are no chairs, and none of it. Nobody from the convention came over to explain what was going on. Nobody came over. Nobody, no representatives from the convention at all, p- 
paid mm. them any mind whatsoever the entire time. Didn't stop to check on them. Didn't stop to update them. Here's what we're finding out. Here's what we know. Here's where the truck is. No status updates or right. anything. They basically got completely ignored. And at 44 years, they've been going to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I know it, I know that there was another year that I think they had decided not to go because of the cost. Right. But this is now officially, we're never going back. Well, you reach a point with some of these things. Well, I mean, New York split into two conventions. Yeah. You had to because you, you, they reached a point where they were doing themselves no good service by having it be one gigantic thing that too many people are at to make it enjoyable or profitable. And so splitting it up actually benefited, obviously benefited them. There's two events they're doing instead of one, but it also made it possible for people to go and do things that didn't feel like it was just all wall-to-wall people. Well, not only that, but and, and and this is one of the things that people complain about with regard to San Diego, and, and I've even heard it with Planet Comic Con now. As big as it gets, mm-hmm. there's not enough comic right. in the convention. Yeah, it's become, it's become a media it's, convention. It's media and, and pop culture and all those. I mean... Which, there's a, which there is a place for. This is, don't misunderstand that, that we're not saying that you shouldn't have that. It's just, it becomes... Yeah, but if you're going to have a comic book convention... Right, and there, there therein, should be comic therein lies the issue where... Which is why this, you know, New York splitting things up the way it did mm-hmm. um, had a benefit for the people attending. San, San Diego would do well to split it apart mm-hmm. into the media circus and the comic book convention. Well, and especially, when, you, especially when you're considering that the... The media circus part has become such a big deal on its own that it certainly can stand on its own without having to be well, anything I mean, resembling a when, comic book or or even just a comic book or television, you know, even just the, what it looks like a standard comic book convention. Yeah, but when San Diego sells out in about five seconds, it's too big. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's too big, and the logistics are such that it should... It should be reorganized. I'll say. I think that you know, it's still it's still having in San Diego. Sure, sure, fine. But break break it. Do like New York. Break it apart into its you know various components. Have a video game convention. Mm-hmm. Have a comic book convention. Have the Hollywood convention, and do it that way. Maybe even a literary mm-hmm. segment. And you know that way, if, you know you're not paying a hundred and fifty three hundred dollars. Right. For a ticket where you're going to stand in line for six hours and miss the panel that you were trying to go see. I think, unfortunately, they're going to find, and God only knows when this is going to happen because you never can tell, uh, but they're going to reach a point where it's going to collapse on itself. I mean, it's just, you're going to have too many. surprised ma- it hadn't already. You're going to have too many vendors who are going to look at it and say, I am not spending that money. Because ultimately, for the vendors, I mean, mile high, the question you have to ask is, how were they making over $18,000 worth of profit? They were not. Every year. And if their answer is no, which it is, then there's no reason for them to go. And they can't be the only vendor coming in from outside of San Diego who's who's running into that problem. And the trade-off, I mean, certainly it's that, it's that cost-benefit analysis where you look at it and say, I'm here. I may not be making all the money, but I'm promoting my business, and mm-hmm. I've got a visibility, and that's going to make me money down the line. Right. You make those, as a business owner, you make those equations in your head, and you map it out, and you figure out how, what is, is the investment going to be worth what you get in return. And 
if it's not, then it's not going to be. It's not going to be. It's not going to suddenly become again if it's the same model going right. forward for them. Well, and I'm seeing even with uh, Dallas mm-hmm. Comic Con, and you know Dallas is 70,000 people, sure, maybe, and and Planet Comic Con's not too far behind that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I saw some people saying that Dallas had gotten too expensive for them mm-hmm. to to attend, and you know it's going to be different for. Bigger publishers or oh, sure. you know, the comic book right, guys yeah. or whatever. If you got indie authors or small press or anything mm-hmm. like that, they're certainly going to feel that pinch a little bit more than your, you know, your established big. Do the name conventions? People. Do you know? But do you know the cons? Do you know what the cons do? Like a tiering for prices. I'm not aware that they do. I think I think the I think the prices are tiered based on the size and location of the space. I mean, I, that's that's the obvious one. But I mean, looking at for something like if you're going to bring in a bunch of independent artists or self-published authors, mm-hmm. or things like that, they're going to have a different financial model in terms of what's going to be profitable for them than a publishing house or you know. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not aware of any. I'm, I'm honestly not either, and that's structure that's like that. that it's not would, a bad idea. No, I, I wouldn't think it would be a bad idea. I think it'd be a way for you to fill up your space with a lot of talent. Except the inherent problem to that mm-hmm. is somebody is going to look at – I'm, I'm going to look at you. Well, why is he getting a break on his booth price? Well, you'd, you'd have, you'd have to have the a – same, same size booth. You'd have to have I'm a very specific more. kind of um, – series of requirements for what would how you would qualify for these tiers in pricing which because, means somebody's got to police that yeah and well and it would, it would be the application process i think that when you look at i think well it would really depend on your market san diego doesn't have that problem they can just say yeah all these, these are all the prices and you're in or you're out right uh, but i think that if you're looking to grow a convention uh, certainly that would not be a bad idea. And also, I think if you wanted to maintain one, if you're not looking to turn it into, like, blow it up into San Diego size. I mean, we looked at Planet Comic Con, which grew considerably this year, but they also redesigned their layout so that you could get around it easy. Yeah. I mean, it felt... There yeah, were, they take up more space this year. There were significantly more people there this year, as far as I'm aware, the numbers were actually really, really good and... Did did they get close? I think they were cl- close to 90,000 I thought year, so. That's um, what I'd heard. But the aisles were wider, so you weren't feeling like you were crammed in, right? which was really, really nice for those of us who only have so much time on the sales floor <laughs> where we want to get over and take a look at something, you know, we're, or go get something to eat. Right. We will not, <laughs> we will not tell the going to get food horror story at Planet Congo, which was not Planet's fault. No. Uh, but, you know, that's well, just the way and, it works out. And, and that's got me wondering next, next year, because Planet apparently is going to be President's Day weekend in February of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. which is going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because of the weather. But mm, I'm right. I'm wondering if maybe we ought to restrict our coverage activity to Saturday and Sunday and give everybody Friday, you know, give give everybody a chance to actually run around and just um, do stuff. I think I think realistically we maybe. should give something on Friday. Because we're it's Friday, it's the first day of the con. Mm-hmm. We should, pro- and that's an opportunity for us to promote the next couple of days and promote right. for ourselves and the convention. But all, you know, I think it, we, it could be a light day on Friday because we do spend. You and I <laughs> tend to spend a lot of time uh, on camera mm-hmm. or sitting in front of a computer. A lot of times, in your case, 
that could be would be nice to sit there and go, hey, I'm going to go to a panel yeah. and listen to someone say words, yes. and I'm I, not going to write anything down I, <laughs> or take I any pictures or anything. I didn't go to anything. Oh no, I didn't either. This year, Mm-mm. because we were up on stage. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the whole time I was I was up there. There were there were a couple of times I, you know I walked around real quick. Oh right, right. Various different parts of it, but I didn't get to do the whole. Well, floor it was usually either. something with a destination in mind. Yeah. And on the way, it was like, ooh, what's oh, this? It's a shiny. <laughs> yeah. There was there one I got to go over. I went over to the the Lego guys. Mm-hmm. And they had the right, you know, yeah. the big Lego display, and we put our our little Lego billboard. You do that on Friday. Yeah, we did it on Friday. I didn't. I didn't get to walk around for anything else. Yeah, it's. It is unfortunately the trade-off. Well, and, and honestly, though, it's better doing it the way we are. This we did this year than we have in previous years, where we were sitting at a booth mm-hmm. and we were doing. We were maybe getting out to a panel. Yeah, but it was getting out to a panel to cover the panel as opposed to go and enjoy the panel. Right. Which is for those of you who have never done interviews or cam or camera work or or covered a panel for a reporting standpoint there is a difference between going just to enjoy it there is and and just bit. to you know to be to be covering it in terms of a news thing um, and of course the times when we've been hosting panels yes uh, that's also different but that's also that's a different kind of fun that's a different experience than than being in the audience watching so you're you're a part of it in a way that that the audience doesn't get to be they get to be in a in a really cool way on their own but mm-hmm. when you're hosting the panel when you're up there talking to me you know i still i still like my idea for for our next uh our next panel yeah diversity and tolerance in fandom yeah that's it's a really nice highfalutin title for the panel should we get pies pies yeah because there's a good chance that if a fight breaks out, <laughs> we need to have cream well, pies see, so that we whole, can keep... That's can, the whole point of the panel. Well, I know, what I'm to, saying is... Is to it, have people understand if, each other. If violence, ex- if violence explodes, we want them to have weapons of non-destruction. Well, uh, Not to mention, somebody could be filming this and <laughs> it would be awesome. Well, I, I, do, I do think that we should have cameras rolling on that particular panel. Well, and honestly, but, I think that because, because it is an important... There, look, leaving it, you know, you can look at this from a lot of different ways. You can look at this from, from the point of view of the cosplay is not consent. Right. You can look at this from, from, and you can go stupid. Star Wars versus Star Trek. I mean, that's, yeah, that's well, the, there's your starting point. There's your oldest and dumbest conflict in fandom. Well, that's, that's not true. But that's, that's no, not the oldest no, and dumbest conflict in fandom. Futurians, anyone? Exactly. So, I mean, and because, of course, fandom is made of people, but, but, uh. Wait, what? It's true. It's and people, people as a rule people are loud, noisy, and terrible. People who need people. Individual individuals are often quite pleasant. Large groups of people are often terrible. But hence the internet. <laughs> and that's kind of a chicken and egg thing, I oh, think. Oh god, I know. Maybe. Well, and of course for those, you know, it, however you feel about the news, the the the, the question of anonymity raised in, in recent recent in the last week uh with with internet uh, oh the cnn reddit thing yeah and and oh. where, wherever you fall on that the the reality is is that the the internet's ability to have us all be able to be whoever we want mm-hmm. online has the negative often has the negative impact of not having 
you know, if you don't have to admit who you are, you can say things that would necessarily be things you would not want to say if you could be identified right. uh, regularly. And and I think that putting a bunch of people in a room who have a chance to, you know, um, have those discussions in front of each other. Mm-hmm. Like you and I talked about uh, last week with the commercial, the TV commercials, where they were talking about putting people in the rooms. Right, right, right. Where if yeah. you're actually just talking to each other, it tends to make things a little easier to, yeah. to I don't know, talk to each other. Maybe listen a little bit. Oh, crazy not, talk. Which it's is why, which talk. is why we get about a thousand cream pies. It's crazy. Talk. <laughs> well, see, no, I, and I and, and I we think line what, the room in plastic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> line the whole room with garbage Everyone bags. Everyone steps inside. We're standing up front, dressed in like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. Good evening. <laughs> Move all the chairs. Right. Welcome. So everybody's standing on a plastic, plastic <laughs> and we have we have you know like Red Rider BB guns or something, right? Oh, that okay, so we need to in between now and then we need to develop a uh, a, a cream pie launcher. Yeah, yeah. So that the, we can uh, have... the, the the like the T-shirt thing exactly. But with, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. because you have to at least have because there will be at least one person in that room who everyone looks at and goes, "No, we're not going to listen to this person anymore." They get the cream pie first. Well, see, none of those people get to talk. <laughs> It's just, it's just us. They're just going to be their own visual aids. <laughs> I've got this all thought out. See, we start with Star Trek versus Star Wars, right? Right? You know, yep. you're, you're a big fan. But then, but then the the big thing, the entry point is people who like the prequels, mm-hmm. the Star Wars prequels. Okay. Nobody likes the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, nobody likes the Star Wars okay. prequels. But some people do. There are some people That's that a, acknowledge they it's exist. A, you know, we, we joke about this, but people do. People do enjoy them. But you you go from there to various different pieces of fandom and mm-hmm. points. And all, you know, the, you know, Lord of the Rings fantasy, or you know, military fantasy, you know, military science fiction, or or, right, or yeah. high fantasy, or, you know, all of those things. Contemporary fantasy, romantic fantasy. I mean, there's all yeah. these. There's it's and then you you know, after you have said you know. We're all the same. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we, mm-hmm. we reaffirm everyone for all of these different things that we like. Then you get into the hard stuff. And where's that line where you no longer tolerate this person that was just fine a minute ago when he was mm-hmm. just a brown coat? Right. But, oh, you voted for Trump. <laughs> you know, that, that, that piece right there. Mm-hmm. That's where we lose things. That's where we lose our ability to be civil to each other. And right. I think that's something that we need to remind each other in, in this day and age of the Internet. Nobody remembers how to be civil. Right. And, and, it, and it carries over. I mean, you, you see it in everything now. Well, I think, I think if fandom happens to be a way that uh, – an environment that we are familiar talking in and we are familiar because it's something, part of, it's something that we're part of. Yeah. And it's something that we look at as a community uh, and, and to some degree as a family. And like every family, there's that uncle that you just want to go, stop talking. <laughs> stop talking, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob, shut up. Um, or that aunt who's like, you know. Please don't ask me if I'm going to get married. Please don't ask me if I'm going to get married. Yeah. You know, so but the, the one same that pitches time, your cheeks. Yeah, but you still love them. Yeah. And so, the more you know, it, it's a little kumbaya. But at the same time, the more we do talk to each other, um, it really is. Mm-hmm. It, it's better. Yeah, I think so. so. All right. And speaking of better, you can talk to us. If you can talk to each other, you can talk to us as well. Uh, send us an email, h2o at com, or leave a comment on all of our social media. And we are going to continue this live stream experiment for a few more weeks just to see what happens. Give it a whirl. 
And uh, in the meantime, uh, you can check out all of our other podcasts and all the latest news over at SciFiForMe.com and Dungeons & Dragons on Monday night yeah. on Twitch.tv slash SciFiForMe. And that's going to do it for us here on the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Hardy. And we will be back with another episode next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.